to Cup of Cubby Blue, your Ronald Acuna Jr. returned just in time to welcome the Cubs at Truist Park home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, and you can find us wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about umpires and strikes and the Cubs for Bleed Cubby Blue. And as always, I am joined by Danny Rocket. How's it going, Danny? I'm just sitting here waiting for spring to arrive in Chicago. That's what I'm doing. It it feels like I should be getting ready for Thanksgiving and uh, roasting up a turkey right now because it's cold here, as you well know, neighbor. Dude, it, I feel like we have not seen the sun in a week. Like we had that one nice day on Saturday that I missed because I was in Denver, but it was a nice day in Denver too. So it's not like, so like I saw the sun on Saturday and you saw the sun on Saturday and then it's just been cloud cover and dreary and rainy and cold. And I'm over it, Danny. Like, I need it to be spring desperately. Yeah, well, look at the forecast and you will not be happy because it ain't coming. <laughs> I can't take it. I, I, I am a summer child and a desert kid and I, I need sun. I, this is, I feel pale and wan and like a, like a pale reflection of myself. Well, we'll, we'll, it'll come eventually. It just, it's just taking a little longer this year. It was a mild winter. Let's look at the bright side. It's still here. <laughs> the mild winter is still here. I was going to say, I'm like, it was a mild winter. It is <laughs> a mild winter. It's, it's April 29th. It's still winter. Uh, so speaking, uh, let's, let's talk about something a little bit more positive before we jump into this brave series, which look, I don't love it when the Cubs drop two of three, but I do love the Braves organist. And there were just some really good songs being played as the Cubs walked up in this series and special shout out um, to the Braves organist, which I, who I believe is at Braves organist on Twitter. So if you, yeah, you want to follow Matthew, there. Matthew Kaminsky is his name. Yeah. Matthew Kaminsky. Every time Nick Madrigal came to the plate played, we don't talk about Bruno and I'm in love with Encanto. I think it is one of the greatest things that has ever been made so that was that was some a plus plus work my one quibble i don't understand how you play hey ya for both say ya and jason hayward when they're like two batters apart you gotta like mix that up a little bit yeah yeah well and the other interesting thing about matthew kaminsky is he's actually a cubs fan he grew up in park ridge that's illinois so uh there was some talk and i'm so glad that uh, our friend uh we got josh and john who uh split the job here at wrigley and uh, they're both awesome guys that i've hung out with a couple well john a bunch of times and uh but uh everybody thought matthew was gonna get this job and we're like yes we're gonna get the braves trolling awesome organists and we didn't but i do know that john and josh are very inspired by matthew's work so it's kind of cool i mean the braves whole vibe with the blooper and bloopers uh, he's kind of creepy. I, I made a point. He, he retweeted me last night, like in the middle of the night blooper, because I was making fun of his tongue ears. He's got these tongues that come out his ears and, and it was in a Taylor McGregor video. So I was talking to Taylor about it. It's, it's, it's a whole mess. Go check it out on Twitter. But I was like, Oh no, tell me I'm going to get totally ratioed by Braves fans right now for making fun of blooper. And it almost started happening. But their whole vibe is fun. You know, the the blooper running around and playing jokes and Matthew and his trolling organ. And I, I enjoy it. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was pretty funny, actually. Um, I was watching Blooper in an interview with Taylor where he, like, put his shirt over her head. And I'm like, yeah. that is weird. Don't yeah. do that to women. I know. That that one was a, a maybe a bridge too far. But when you're a nondescript creature, I guess you can get away with a lot more in life. Maybe. Although I will tell you, I was walking through the concourse once at Wrigley Field and Clark the Cub came up behind me and put like both hands on my shoulders and I didn't realize it was the mascot. I thought it was like just some random dude. And I turned around like I was going to swing. Like I was just going to, I was about to punch the bro who thought he could grab both of my shoulders. And then it was Clark. And so I didn't punch him. Oh my God. Oh, if you would have swatted Clark, he's just laying there a pantsless mess. Like, Hi. I'm like, Clark, he scared me. Oh man. Uh, You know who is not scared right now? The Braves are not scared of the Cubs. They took two of three from the Cubs. Let's get into this series. Uh, Look, let's start with something good. Marcus Stroman has his first quality start as a Cub. He had an awesome start in game one, and the Cubs still lost because it turns out you've got to be able to score more than three runs in a baseball game. Danny, what did you see in this first game from the Cubs and the Braves? Yeah, well, they didn't score. You know, they went went out. They got a a half homer, and and that's it. it was it was pretty sloppy. I I felt I I have already predicted that Stro is going to be our tough luck pitcher, and I kind of said that going in. I was like, this guy he might end up with an ERA, the high threes, low fours, and he's going to have three wins on the season or something terrible because he pitched well enough to win this one, as he did on opening day. Which uh, did he get the or not opening day? His uh, opening game that he played, which I believe they lost. I don't think that Strowman has a win yet. Does wait? Does he? No, he has no wins. He, I know that for a fact. He's zero and three. But the two plans, I mean, and errors. And Hermosillo had an interesting game. I'll that will be a the nicest way I'll put it. Um, you know, I I want to talk about this for a second. I feel I felt real bad for Hermosillo in game one because everything that he did that ended up as a mistake. Like he charged a ball in center that he should have just let drop in front of him for a single and then played it regularly. And instead the ball went past him for extra bases. He definitely had a two plan. Like in my opinion, that is Hermosillo pressing for more playing time because he hasn't gotten the playing time that he feels like he needs. He knows he's out of options and May 1st is looming as this date where the Cubs have to cut part of their roster. Now, luckily, I think most of those cuts are going to come from the bullpen because the teams are going to be limited by the number of pitchers they can carry. And I think right now the Cubs are carrying 16 or 15 and they're going to be limited to 14 or 13. So 13. Yeah. I think that Hermosillo and Rivas and some of these other guys might be safer than we think they are, but I felt real. I I could feel like so much empathy for Hermosillo trying to make things happen because he wants to stay and it just didn't work out. Yeah, because those can go differently, too. You can be that ball that he had the two plan on when he was halfway around second base uh, when the ball was caught and he had to retreat back on on that play. You also hear them saying things like, and Hermosillo read it perfectly off the bat and scored from first, you know, like that could also be the case. And he did. He made a nice play. It it definitely was a mistake. And I think it, it definitely was a two plan. The ball get, getting past him in the outfield. If you he caught it, he got caught in between. That happens, but in a t- in a tight game, you also see his youth. Because if it's 
what it wasn't it was two to one at that point maybe tied i don't even know what the score was but it ended, ended up three to one so you just can't let that ball get past you that is how you have to play if you you can't get caught in between there you have to make that play um there's it, it, that's just how it's got to go. And there you see the youth and inexperience and the fact that he hasn't really given, been given a heck of a lot of playing time as well. Um, they, he also Cubs are kind of, they, they were swinging. <laughs> they had a couple funny swings in this one. I thought like they were getting fooled. Suzuki uh, got fooled. They just kind of swinging inside out. I, I, I don't know who started this game for the Braves. Uh, that's a good question. I have it up one second. That was Max Freed and Max Freed looked excellent. Yeah. Yeah. He was, yeah. I mean, he, we were really, <laughs> I was surprised we scored the one run and it just cause Hap got a hold of it, but we didn't look good in this game. Like I, the offense was dead. I felt like we had to get to the bullpen and, and, uh, even when you did, they had a way to shut you down because they are the world series champions. And, uh, yeah, freed, well, only four K's, but I don't know a lot of like weird strikes, like a lot of weird swings. And I don't know, they just, they came into this one anemic, only four hits for the Cubs. Um, yeah, it wasn't great. Well, the Stroll looked good. The K thing is interesting, and I think this is something we should talk about maybe on a future show, maybe a little bit more on this show, but the, the Cubs don't strike out as much as they used to. So, you know, we're kind of used to, used to the last few years seeing opposing pitchers, any opposing pitcher, like doesn't even have to be a good pitcher, just like a guy out there <laughs> making his major league debut who was originally TBD. Those guys used to get like 10, 11 Ks on the Cubs as just a matter of course because the team was always swinging out of their shoes and they were trying to hit the ball to Waveland uh, and striking out all of the rest of the time. That's not really true of this Cubs team. This Cubs team doesn't strike out nearly as much as they used to. So I think that one of the things that we're seeing here with like Freed's line here, and look, this is six innings of one run ball, gives up four hits, he gets four Ks. Like, I think that's a, that's a line you'll see from opposing pitchers who are pretty good against the Cubs pretty frequently. Um, but they just, you're, you're absolutely right. They were doing nothing with Breed's pitches and the back end of the Braves bullpen is good. Yeah. And I think I'm kind of mixing up games just because they struck out 10 times, which is uncharacteristic for this squad in the next two games. So I, in this game, they didn't K that much, but boy, did they, uh, the next couple days for themselves, but we'll, we'll get into that. But yeah, I mean, they just, they came in anemic and it was just wasn't a great game to watch. Uh, Jansen shut us down pretty easily, I might add, to it. We looked overmatched for the first time in years against Jansen. So, guess he's found something uh, back. I always remember us kind of playing Jansen well, but that are that was people that aren't on the team any longer, I think. Yeah, I was looking to see what was going on with Jansen, mainly because I, I kind of think that Jansen's lost a little bit of his stuff. You know, Saris over at The Athletic has a pitching model that shows that Jansen was one of the big stuff losers over the last year, but he, he certainly was effective against the Cubs. So it does, whatever he's lost didn't matter against this particular Cubs team. Uh, you know, let's talk about the game that was a little bit more fun. The second game where the Cubs won the game, chased Charlie Morton early. Uh, Charlie Morton does not look like himself this year. Now, admittedly, he didn't look like himself in April of last season either. And he turned it around and wound up throwing a great season, but um, the Cubs took advantage of Charlie Morton's early struggles and wound up coming from behind after they let the Braves tie it late. Like there was a lot to love in this game in terms of like having a lead, losing the lead, coming back. Like I had 
a ton of fun in this game. And the only complaint that I have is I really hate the Manfred man showing up in the 10th inning. Can it, can he show up in like the 12th? Can we have normal baseball for a couple of extra innings before we start messing around with runners on second base? And so I know it worked out in the Cubs favor this time. Hap was the Manfred man. Wilson drove Hap in with a double and then there was a walk or something or somebody got on base somehow and wisdom hit a dong and it was great. Uh, say Suzuki did a little happy dance in the dugout that it is my new favorite gift. It is. I'm going to use it all of the time. You're, you're all going to get annoyed with me because I'm going to use the say dancing around thing so much. It was so our friendly infield fly girl, I think said this, it was so pure. It was just pure joy at a home run and extra innings and say was happy and I was happy and I loved it. Yeah, it, that's he's so cute. <laughs> he's a lot of fun to watch. Um, and just seems like a nice guy and just a, a great asset to the team as a whole. Um, definitely gifable. Uh, yeah, this is a game. I mean, look, you score a couple of your runs to even be able to have it tied at the end of nine on outs. And they've been doing that. So they, they had the home run in the first game. Game three, they score on an out. Two of the runs scored in this game were on outs. Uh, magical get ground out scored one in the second. And then the other one was a sack fly by Ian Happ. And the only reason that Suzuki could be sack flied in is because he got over to third on a wild pitch after doubling in Ortega or, uh, and so it's just like you're, you're scoring on outs. You're scratching out runs. That's kind of what the Cubs have got to do with, uh, with what they have. Um, Mark Leiter jr. I mean, we're playing with, I don't think either one of us think that this guy is going to hang around for a long time or be extended some kind of big contract or be part of the Cubs future in any way. Um, Cause he's already in his thirties, but he was able to dance out of quite a few jams. And I think in some ways got kind of lucky that his line didn't end up looking worse. So I know it's, I mean, I don't, I want to give the Cubs credit for winning the game, uh, but they also seem to have a little luck. They kind of got the Braves beating themselves a little bit in this one too. Um, but I'll take it. You know, you'll th- those wins and losses happen over the years. Um, Givens didn't look great. Gave up the that was him, right? They gave up the the lead. We had yeah, it. Givens. I, so uh, Corey Friedman and I were talking about this on Twitter. Both of us sort of blamed ourselves for this one. Givens looked like he was going to strike out the side on ten pitches. He just looked nasty, and everything looked great. And then he didn't get a couple of calls. The Braves fouled off some really tough pitches. And before you knew it, he had given up the lead. And I was like, I really just blame myself for this one because I had literally teed up the tweet that was like, Michael Givens looks like, looks awesome, strikes out the side on 10 pitches. And then I like was, I was editing it. I was like, 11 pitches, 12 pitches. <laughs> I'm just going to delete this tweet altogether. Like, and then the lead was is- gone. Oh, God. <laughs> Uh, to all the tweets I never sent before. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, just, he gave up the lead. That's going to happen. But he did end up giving up three hits after having those two strikeouts. So, you know, you take the good, you take the bad there. I agree with you on clown ball. Uh, it, well, the I want to look at this at the end of the year after we've played it maybe for a whole year because I don't think they're going to change this rule this year anyway. But what I would like to see, is how many times the visiting team ends up winning that game. And then compare it to how many times the home team used to win the game when you do the clown ball. Because in many respects, it 
takes away the home field advantage because all of a sudden the visiting team is there with a chance to break a tie and score that run. And so you've got to play your, I mean, we've, I know you and I have talked about this before and people have different opinions on it, but you've got to, you've got to play your uh, closer at that point and your strikeout pitcher, no matter what, because you need to keep that run from scoring. And whereas the, uh, you know, the visiting team will then have the luxury of knowing whether they scored that run or not. So then the Cubs are just in garbage time. They've scored three runs and they can, well, not that Rowan Wick is garbage, but you know, it, they could put Rowan Wick out there instead of, I don't know who else they would do. Robertson, I guess, as their closer quote. Robertson had already pitched. Oh, that's true. Robertson came in to rescue Givens and hold the lead in the ninth. That's how we got. Yeah. But I I agree with you on the. In theory. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, not and specifically, I, but it is in theory that the visiting team is at an advantage at that point in clown ball. I, I agree with you on that. And I think it's counterintuitive for people because they're like, well, both sides start with a runner on second. Da, 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 da. I think there's two things that happen that make that um, an advantage for the visiting team. So one of those things is you're able to put pressure on the home team when you score in that first in that top half of the inning. And the chances of scoring a run are so much higher when there's a runner on second with two out or with nobody out that you're able to put a lot of potential pressure on them. I think Boog and JD were talking about this on the broadcast this week where they were saying that, you know, the the visiting team has every incentive to pile on. Nobody's looking to like bunt, pop, like sacrifice, fly, like just get the run home in the top half of the inning because you want to put up a three or four or five spot there to really just like slam the door on the home team. Um, But the second thing that happens there is I think that the closers who come in or the late relievers who come in there coming in with a runner on second is a much more difficult Mm. situation than coming in with the bases empty and getting a clean inning. And, And frankly, a lot of the guys who are in those late inning roles don't come in with runners on very often. Like your highest leverage relievers by design come in in clean innings and get a clean inning of work. That with is, the lead. Yeah, that's how they're used. That's how they're used all the time. And so you're putting them in a situation that they don't necessarily thrive in. And I think that we saw that with Tyler Matzik. Yeah. And I mean, look at uh, somebody like Craig Kimbrell with all of a sudden you start trying to use him in a different inning and it just goes terribly down on the south side. And they're these ball players, they're creatures of habit too. And so um yeah, they're not they're not used to it. And um uh, hopefully it goes away, but unfortunately, I think they'll have it. I, I think I think it's here to stay because the players like it, probably. Because who so wouldn't much. want their night to end earlier? I know. I just hate it. No, I, 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 but never... fans hate it. It, it, it. That's the thing. No fans like it, and they just don't care about us. So, good luck with that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you're good right. luck. I mean, you know, it's just like everybody likes it, but. You know, they can send the concession people home. The yep. ushers probably like it, you I know. Mean, well, the other group of people who like it are the beat writers who are up in the press box. And so, and the people that MLB is most likely to listen to in terms of reviews on their rule changes are not you and me. Like, I don't think anybody from MLB is listening to Danny and I here on Cup of Cubby Blue. But if you are, we make great fan consultants for the Cubs. Uh I, they're listening to the beat writers who are writing the pieces after the fact. And if you're a beat writer and the difference with the rule with the Manfred man is that you go home at 1130 instead of two o'clock in the morning, you probably like that rule better too. And I understand why you do. And also I hate it. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. But the fans, the real fans of the game hate it. So just keep turning off your fans and see where you get. That's all I'm saying. Just in general, they should consider us because we pay the bills. Ultimately, we do. So I don't know, Danny. That's a lot to ask. Um, let's look at this final game. So, you know, generally we do a pretty nice job here on this podcast of predicting what's going to happen. And and we were wrong about something last episode, so I, I want to call us out on it. I said that the Cubs would not have to deal with Ronald Acuna Jr. because he was just making his start uh, down in AAA Gwinnett and wasn't scheduled to come up until May 6th. And the Braves decided he was ready yesterday. So the Cubs had to face Ronald Acuna Jr., who came back from a torn ACL. Look, he is one of my favorite young players in the game. He's one of the most exciting young players in the game. He only went one for five, but he definitely uh, made his presence known. He had two stolen bases in his first game back. So if anybody was worried that Ronald Acuna Jr. was going to run, he is, he's, he's still running. Um, the Cubs just didn't have it in this game. Drew Smiley got hit hard a couple of times. And frankly, that's all it would have taken for the Cubs to lose. They only scored one run in this game as well. But the real, uh, the real blow came from, Scott Efros and Ethan Roberts not getting it done as relievers. And I like Ethan Roberts a lot. I think his sliders are nasty. They made Pitching Ninja the other day, which is which is super fun. But I he just got in over his head and he couldn't get out of it. And David Ross left him in there too long. Yeah, well, I mean, once you get on Pitching Ninja, now everybody saw it. So now everybody knows what your slider is and now you're going to get hit. So you got to make that adjustment back. I'm not saying that that's a meatball thing to say, but it's also kind of true because once there's a book on you, well, now you got to get a little craftier, Ethan. So, um, but he's, he's young and this is going to happen to him. It's kind of, I guess at that point, we're saying that he's trustworthy in a high leverage situation. He's in the circle of David Ross Ross's trust either that, or he was just out of guys because of so many bullpen. Cause we haven't had any starters go very deep into these games. Um, I think Stroh was the deepest with six innings. I do think that Ethan Roberts might've been auditioning for David Ross's circle of trust. And I, I don't think he made it there. I actually think Roberts is one of the pitchers that's going to wind up getting sent back to Iowa for some more work in AAA when the rosters uh, shrink a bit on May 1st. But I, I want to be clear. I think that Ethan Roberts is a great pitcher and he's going to be back and he's going to do wonderful things in this league. I just think he is a little overmatched at this moment in time, but I would look to see Ethan Ro- Roberts come back up again, maybe in June or July after he's gotten a little work in AAA. They should just show that video of him making the team in reverse, just to, like, <laughs> to put it in reverse and show him sitting there sad on the bench. But uh, yeah, at the end, you know, we'll see you back soon, Ethan Roberts. Yeah. I promise. Um, I want to talk a little bit about what they did pregame here, because obviously Wilson Contreras is my favorite player. And I loved all of this. Uh, if you missed it, Wilson and William Contreras exchanged the lineup cards to start this game. Uh, William Contreras had just been called up to the big league team, which made that possible. I Okay, couple of things here that were amazing. One, Wilson definitely tears up while he's exchanged, like gives his brother a hug and like does the whole thing. And I just like, I, I almost lost it. You can tell that Wilson is such a good big brother that he really cares about William and that this was a huge moment for him. And then Taylor McGregor uh, had the presence of mind to ask Wilson about that at his locker uh, after the game. And if you've not seen this video, 
just go watch it. You're going to cry. Can we please extend Wilson Contreras? He is an awesome human being. And I want him to be the Cubs catcher for the next five or six years. I promise he will still be a plus offensive catcher for that time period. It is going to absolutely kill me if he winds up not being that catcher for the Cubs. Yeah. Yep. No, I agree with you. And you know who needs a catcher next year? (laughs) Don't say it, Danny. (laughs) Don't say it. Just say it. Just say it. The Cubs. The Cubs are going to need a catcher next year. I thought you were talking about another team. (laughs) I was. About five hours south. I can't can't make my day. I can't make myself say it. It's too awful of a thought. (laughs) He can't. Like, I think that, so, you know how the, the Cardinals are one of those teams where, Look, you have to, the Cardinal way and Wilson Contreras do not mix, in my opinion. Let me just put it that way. Like, I cannot imagine, I can't imagine Wilson as a Cardinal and I cannot imagine Wilson as a Yankee. I can imagine Wilson as many other, many other teams uh, and I will cheer for all of them, but please, for the love of God, universe, number one ask, Wilson (laughs) Contreras is a Cub for life. If that can't happen, please, not the Cardinals or the Yankees, I will live with anything else. Yeah. Now, well, I just want him back on the Cubs. That's let's just if we're gonna if we're wishing for things, let's wish for what we really want. Um, yeah, that was a beautiful moment with him and his brother, and uh, just really cool to see. And it's it's nice that in baseball we get a lot of those moments. Not a lot of these specific brother to brother moments, but because it is kind of a family sport, it moves slower. We see their faces. The all of that. So it was, it was just really nice. I'm, I'm glad I, I, that was just nice to see. And yeah, it was, I, I actually showed uh, Nicole late at night. Uh, my fiance, I, I showed her that video and she's like, Oh, you know, cause everybody loves Willie and they, they should resign him. But yeah, that, that was the only good thing that happened in this game. <laughs> so it really was Cubs talk about bad swings. Oh my God. That not, Kyle Wright, 98 high cheese. Couldn't catch up with that. Um, well, Kyle Wright is just a really good young pitcher. I mean, I, yeah. I had some questions. I hadn't seen him pitch this year. I had some questions coming into this game. Was he for real? Was he getting lucky? He's for real. He's definitely for real. The Cubs were doing nothing with yeah. what Kyle Wright was throwing them for a while. I, one more note on this game that is, that is more about the series and the travel schedule than the game itself. But the scheduling here is awful. It makes zero sense that the Cubs are playing a night game in Atlanta before they have to get on a plane to fly to Milwaukee to start a series in Milwaukee. That's bonkers. Like, I hate it. I understand that this is because they wanted this game to be on the MLB network showcase or whatever, but getaway days are supposed to be day games, period. End of story. All games. All games should be getting. It helps keep people healthy. It helps get people rest. Don't ask teams to do this. Yeah, well, they just came back from a Pittsburgh, Colorado trip last time. Their two trips have been this. Pittsburgh, Colorado, Atlanta, Milwaukee. Tell me, make it make sense. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. So, and make this make sense, too. Because I want to talk about that one freaking play that Alfonso Rivas ran out in the middle of right field to make in front of Suzuki. And... And was he scored the only run on a totally heads up play where Nico Horner got picked off base and ran home and that, and at least they scored in this game. Otherwise, if not for that play, we get shut out here and Andy makes a great play. So uh, we're facing a couple of tough lefties in Milwaukee. I don't expect Rivas to get, be getting a lot of starts here. Maybe tonight he does. I, I think it's a righty tonight, but um, 
yeah, Hauser's a righty, but uh, but yeah, I want it. I want to see Alfonso Rivas playing baseball at least in a platoon situation with Frank the Tank Schwindel because he's freaking good. I I want Rivas to play more too. We're going to talk about Rivas when we get to our hot hitters for the Cubs because okay, Rivas right. is the hottest. Um, but I I agree with you. I thought that play was money. I I don't know many first basemen who make the play that Rivas did. Out there, I thought that ball was destined for no man's land, and Rivas somehow corralled it, which was outstanding. Um, I am all here for Rivas getting more playing time, and it looks like there's two righties that the Cubs are going to be facing. Uh, they're yeah, two Adrian righties, Hauser yeah. and Corbin Burns are both right, right-handed pitchers, so there is no reason to not have Alfonso Rivas in your lineup in Milwaukee at least twice. David Ross, please. Danny and I are begging yeah. you. Well, I, I hope what you originally said was that they were rice-handed, <laughs> and I hope they are totally rice-handed, <laughs> because that means we win. <laughs> uh, it's a, it's actually a good time for a quick break for our sponsors, but on the flip side, we have some news and notes from around the league, including Nolan Arenado starting a benches-clearing ba- brawl over a pitch that didn't come close to hitting him, which was super weird, in my opinion. Um, we're also going to preview this Cubs Brewer series at Wrigley North, but first a quick word from our sponsors. Okay, look, I am the first person to say that we should be penalizing pitchers who throw high and in who cannot do that. The Brewers do this with Wilson Contreras all the time. I don't think they're hitting him on purpose. I think that's a strategy. They know they want him to be like backed off the plate so that he can't get to his power zone low and outside. It's a thing that happens with certain batters and with certain teams that have that hitting profile. Uh, It's the reason that the Mets have been hit 19 times so far this season. And four of those have been in the head or in the upper body region area where you do not want players to get hit ever. So there's a definite problem with players getting hit in the league and with players who are trying to throw up and in that cannot control that pitch. You will get no argument from me on that. That said, Nolan Arenado causing a benches clearing incident on a baseball that was about seven inches from his head, neck, anything. I mean, yes, it was up and in, but not going to hit you unless you leaned into it and tried. I don't, I don't know. This was the most Cardinals whiny nonsense thing ever. Yeah, well, anything, anything the Cardinals do, I, I'm usually mad about because I mean Nolan Arenado kind of already has that uh, reputation, not as much as Yadi does, who's a big baby about everything, and you know the the whole Cardinal way thing that that is just annoying in general. So I'm just against them, but I I do think that the Mets were getting thrown at. I. <sighs> I mean, you got to you got to take the inside part of the plate away from the hitter. You're not just going to lay it over the plate just because the guy doesn't like it inside. I agree that it was kind of at his head and not really at his head. But when you're already playing beanball all weekend, you know, that's or all week. That's I mean, that's what you're going to get. You're 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 going to have the short tempers and. I don't know. It reminded me. It's it's funny because, I mean, the Cardinals are actually doing quite well on their ARP tour this year, and the Mets are predicted to do a lot. And I, and I do see these teams, even though they're in different divisions, like matching up in a certain kind of way this year for the rest of the year. Too bad they don't play each other more like we used to when the Mets and the – when we were all in the East. But that was a long time ago, so I'll, I'll let that go. But um, 
you know, beanball. There's no place for it. But, you know, that's this is how, I don't know, you got to send your messages. And you got to send them early, I think, in this game. So you're going to, like, uh, I hate it, but it's also kind of how it is. Okay, the second part of this brawl that I definitely have a problem with, the Cardinals have a coach named Stubby Clap, because of course the Cardinals have a coach named Stubby Clap. I you had that see? once. But you can get some uh, antibiotics. And <laughs> you can see Stubby Clap t- try to like pull, like take down and tackle Pete Alonzo. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, word. Good luck. But also like, why are coaches should not be mixing it up with players you're supposed to be the, the like you just, remember don't remember go after don, don't go after pete alonzo what are you doing stubby clap remember don, don zimmer running out there and getting thrown down by martinez by his ears oh man they have no business yeah they have no business let the players deal with this stuff but you know the tempers they just run high in this game and it's just like there's a lot of pressure and the fighting is always ridiculous it, it never solves anything. And usually they're just running out there and looking at each other, but you could get really hurt. Yes. And guys have been really hurt. And imagine, you know, everybody's all hot about this stuff. And then it turns into you lose your star player and then they can't play in the playoffs or something. Cause it happened in August or, you know, it's like, you know, we all want to see baseball played by the best players and nobody wants to see anybody injured, especially in a stupid way like this. It's like, I said this about the bleacher fighting. I'm like, you're going to get paralyzed, idiot. <laughs> like, stop it. Like, just don't fight. Peace. Yeah, stop fighting. Yeah, stop, stop fighting. fighting. Period. End of story. That's it. Uh, we want peace. Um, it's always been a part of the game, though. Well, speaking of things that are part of the game, the literal baseball could be one of the reasons that some of these incidents are occurring more. Chris Bassett did not hold back. When he was asked about the ball, he said all of them are different, that they're different inning to inning. Some of them are slick. Some of them are not. Some of them are tackier. Some of them are easier to throw. This has been a problem for multiple seasons now. MLB claims there is only one ball and that all of that and that all of those balls are being stored in humidors now to replicate um, the specific conditions that MLB would like to see universalized across the league. We're going to get to that in a second because there's an interesting note from Ken Rosenthal and Eno Saris on the impact that has had on offense across the league, but separate to the humidor question and the impact it's had on offense. Uh, what do we think of Chris Bassett out there just saying MLB's wrong. These baseballs are all different. And part of the reason that hit by pitches are up is because pitchers are being giving, given different balls no to throw every single time and they don't have a yeah. grip on them. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got to listen to the pitchers and I, and I think that about the humidor cause it's all, I mean, how is this even implemented? And so you got one in New York, you got one in California, you got one in the dry, you got one in the heat. I mean, in New York, it's dry. Sometimes it's humid sometimes. And in Arizona, it's always dry. So you just are going to be doing different things. So what's the quality control on this stuff? Well, you know, they're pretty opaque about it. So maybe that's the next cheating. Hey, let's juice our balls up in in Milwaukee, and but we're only going to give them to the Cubs pitchers. You know, honestly, like you got to wonder about that, especially when gambling gets in and you're going to be looking for some underhanded way that you're not going to get caught doing it to do it. What better way than to juice the ball and then take the over? Oh, let's put a bunch of juice balls in this game when you've got, uh, you know, who's it going to be on? Uh, 
uh, it's on Wednesday or, or on uh, Sunday. Strowman versus Burns. Okay, that seems like it's probably a low-scoring affair. But, the, you know, well, we're going to take the over and give them a bunch of juice balls and, and, and put the fans on to blow it out. Like, you know, it's just – and you want to make sure that it's, there, there's nothing – you want to make sure the game's fair. Right. Be, yeah, that's all you want. And so if the pitchers are down on it – well, if the p- pitchers probably in some ways love it because if the ball's not juiced. Well, it's unclear if – well – Home run rates are down. Offense is down across the league. Uh, it appears that the baseballs are different, but nobody really knows exactly how yet. Speaking of, um, if you're a ball hawk who listens to this show, our friend Dr. Meredith Wills is always looking to get her hands on some tw- new season baseball so that she can do the testing that she does best to determine what is going on with the baseball. She is the woman who's figured out when MLB changed the ball the first time and why it was had lower drag and what happened in the 2015, 17, 19, 18 seasons with the home run. So uh, if you are interested in helping out with that, make sure you get her some baseballs. Here's a couple of stats from a piece that Ken Rosenthal and Eno Saris over at The Athletic put out. Uh, it also includes some commentary from Dr. Wills. You should definitely check out the whole thing. But basically, here's what they did. We know now that every park has a humidor. They looked at the distance barrels flew in April, comparative April 2021 to April 2022. So obviously there could be some weather differences here, but hopefully you like mute some of that noise by looking at the same month. They then compared, if you had a humidor before, what is what are baseballs doing in your park? And if you got one of the new humidors this year, what are baseballs doing in your park? You with me so far, Danny? Yep. Great. So- if you had a humidor in 2021, you really aren't seeing that big of a difference in terms of how barrels are flying at your park. They used to fly 384 average feet. They currently fly 382 average feet. That's like a two foot different. That difference, that is exactly what MLB said they were going for with deadening the ball. But if you have one of the new humidors, if you're a place like Wrigley Field that never had a humidor before, your barrels used to go 383 feet, and now they go 373 feet on Ooh. average. And a 10-foot difference is the difference between a home run and a ball that dies on the warning track. And if we're looking for where all the home runs have gone and where all the offense has gone, I think it's in this humidor story. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I didn't know that. And it would make sense because it, offense is down league-wide, and so... Yeah, anything, anything new, but I, I wonder how they're going to do it. That's what I mean. It's like, and the the weather will change from year to year. It's not like they put this stuff in the humidor and then they bring it out in the cold, like, and it sits there in the in the dugout waiting for the ball boy to give it to the umpire. It's like they're not. It's not like a fresh baked loaf of bread. <laughs> they're like bring it out of the oven. You know, it's like sitting there. After the humidor, it's like, you know, I'm so glad you said that because that is something Dr. Wills mentions in this article. And I'm just going to read her quote and then we can move on because I know we still got to cover the Brewers series. But, you know, she has taken apart nearly 200 balls uh, from the 2021 season. And Dr. Wills speculated for this article that the rehydration process that the balls are going through when they go from dry storage to the humidor may be causing a rise in drag. And she says the wool yarn inside a baseball is sensitive to humidity. Under dry conditions, it loses structural integrity and the pressure from the cover shrinks the ball. If you add back moisture, say in a humidor, the ball will expand again, but there's no guarantee that the yarn layers will expand symmetrically. So what you wind up with is this uneven expansion of yarn within the baseball and less drag 
or more drag on the baseball that now goes substantially shorter. I played my entire youth with a ball like that. It's <laughs> just this oblong, weird ball with yard hanging out of it. Yeah, I know exactly what she's talking about. So anyway, <laughs> keep an eye on the baseballs, people. There's something definitely going on there. MLB did not mean to cause uh, baseballs to fly 10 feet shorter in the vast majority of baseball parks. 20 parks got new humidors this season. Now, obviously, the weather might change some of this, but at the moment, uh, it just looks like MLB shocking has caused an unintended consequence by messing with the ball, which you would think that after the first five times they did this, they would realize that that was just going to happen and they should have better quality control before they make changes. Yeah. Yeah, they should. But they don't. (laughs) And Uh, they've been doing it for years this way. One last note from around the league. Uh, If you did not see it, Tucker Davidson, World Series champion from the Atlanta Braves, who is pitching in the minors right now, has a great thread on Twitter about the pitch clock. Uh, He talks about how it is deciding games and how it is messing with people's rhythm, all in the name of getting games back to closer to two hours. You should absolutely check this out. I think the thing that actually made me the saddest about this is he said that with the pitch clock, there are no more walkout songs. And imagine if baseball lost the walkout song and the Braves organist and our friends doing like, you know, uh, John Benedict, our friend, plays uh, the the Zelda theme when Gamble comes out because he looks like Link. Like, it's great. Like, I love that part of baseball and I don't want it to go anywhere. Yeah, I mean, it's three hours is fine. Like, we don't need the two hour thing. Um, uh, Walkout songs are, are fine, too. It gets the crowd into it. We're there to dance and have a good time and do the YMCA and as well as we are to watch the game. So don't don't overcorrect. I agree. Could not agree more. Uh, let's look at this Brewers series. We have this will start at Wrigley North tonight. 7-10 first pitch. The first game is Kyle Hendricks, who was excellent against the Brewers in his first outing. Although that was at Wrigley, Uh, he has not been quite as good in Miller Park or Wrigley North um, or whatever they call that place these days uh, lately. He will face off against Adrian Hauser, who is one and two with a 3.52 ERA. What are you looking for in this start, Danny? Well, I mean, historically, the Brewers have been bad against Kyle. I looked up the numbers before and... I hate to jinx it again because everybody always accuses me of being a jinx when I look this stuff up. But he he's only given up five home runs in a total of 281 plate appearances. But it's, he's he's just been really good against them. Last year, they kind of figured him out a little bit more. And then he was really good against them on opening day. However, that was kind of a it was a tough day to pitch. But Kyle is used to pitching on days like that at Wrigley Field, whereas Hauser, um, you know, he's he was actually decent against a pretty good Philadelphia team last time he went out there. And he only gave up three runs on five hits through six, which is a quality start. And uh, what what I like to see is Hap is having a great April. So let's continue that. And he's hit um, Hauser very well, as has Jason Hayward. So uh, you got to you got to throw as many lefties as you can at this guy and see see what it gets you. So I'm definitely looking for Alfonso Rivas to start this game. If he does not, we riot. Yeah, I'm here. I'm with you on that. Alfonso Rivas should certainly be in this game. Um, we're going to talk about hate Happ and Hayward in a second. They are both on my list of hot Cubs hitters. Uh, the Game two will be Justin Steele, who is one and two with a 5.4 ERA. And honestly, I just want to know 
which Justin Steele are we getting? Are we getting the Justin Steele who was lights out against the Brewers and lights out against the Rockies? Or are we getting the Justin Steele who really struggled against the Pirates? And I I, I just want to know which one it is because, frankly, uh, one of those Justin Steeles is much better than the other one. And if it's the first one, I think that the Cubs have a real shot to steal this, no pun intended, steal this game away from the first place Milwaukee Brewers. Um, He'll be facing off against Eric Lauer, who is, I don't know, like the Brewers just like take all their guys who were middle relievers and turn them into starters. And then they're great starters who have a two point whatever ERA and Eric Lauer's the new one. Yeah. And he was really good against Philly last time. No runs in six innings, five hits, and he struck out 13. Teen Philadelphia Phillies. Now, granted, they got a bunch of dudes on that team that like swinging because they got, you know, Castellanos, Kyle Schwarber. Yeah, they got a few guys like that. So, uh, but the Cubs haven't seen this guy much. And, um, you know, and we haven't done that well. Uh, Jay Hayes, the only one with an extra base hit. So maybe, maybe Hayward breaks out in this whole series and just like carries the team to a Milwaukee sweep. I don't know. I am yeah, here for we that. Need, we need we need uh we need a second game of the season steal to show up to this one. The last game is going to be Marcus Stroman, who is looking to finally get some good luck from the Cubs against Corbin Burns, man. And Corbin Burns, after that opening day disaster that he threw against the Cubs, thank you for that, Mr. Burns. We were really happy about it. Um, has looked exactly like the Cy Young award winner that he is. He is one and zero with a one point seven five. ERA, um, his last outing was six innings pitched, three runs on six, or no, that's, that's Stroman. Stroman's that's last Stroman, outing yeah. was six innings pitched, three runs and on six hit. You know what, Danny, you wrote these out. I'm going <laughs> to let you do <laughs> yeah. this. Because you, I am messing up your notes. Go I, ahead. I even have bad handwriting when I type it. This is how it works. Um, no, six innings pitched, which wasn't bad. It was a quality start, like you said earlier. And, uh, three runs, six hits, and but only two of them were earned. Uh and um, the last time he faced the Brewers, he actually pitched pretty well. It wasn't a quality start because he only went five innings, but one run on two hits. And um, one note about it is I saw Willie Adamas, who is probably the Brewers' best hitter right now, has two yes. home runs off of Stroh. So, and uh, whereas uh, Corbin Burns, you know, opening the when we saw him opening day, we got to him, he walked three. And that's how we scored those runs in order to win the game. Um, he has also walked three in the last 20.2 innings pitch. So he settled down. Um, that being said, I looked this up too. Hap, Hayward, Horner have homered, which is a lot of H's. It's a 4-H club, let's call it. <laughs> and um, Hap, though, kills him. Five for 14 with two doubles. Hayward is four for nine with a homer in that in in a double. Um, so I mean, maybe it's maybe just maybe we can uh, make him not look like the Cy Young Award winner. I mean, this new approach Cubs team could, in fact, pose some problems for the Brewers pitching. I think that the Brewers pitching was always pretty good against the Cubs because, frankly, the Cubs like to swing and the Brewers strike guys out, and they do that by living just outside of the zone in areas where if you're going to make contact at all, it's going to be weak contact. Um, This Cubs team has a much better eye than years past. They don't swing at junk outside of the zone nearly as much. And it's possible, at least theoretically, that that results in more walks and then some that forces Corbin Burns closer to the zone. If that, if, now you're making contact on pitches in the zone instead of pitches that are way outside of the zone. Maybe that gets the Cubs a little bit more luck 
we will see if that transfer, if that uh, hypothesis is correct on Sunday. I want to talk about some hot hitters on both teams. But before I do, I want to give people some some hope here, a ray of sunshine. Uh, the Cubs are still one of the best hitting teams in Major League Baseball, even after they've cooled off from that 21 hit, uh, 21 run onslaught that they put on against the Pirates, the Cubs have the best batting average in MLB as a team at 260. They have a team WRC plus of 119, which puts them in the top third of teams offensively. Comparatively, I want you to compare that to the Brewers, who have had offensive issues as a team for multiple years now. They have a team WRC plus of 80. They are 20% worse than the league average team. This is all park adjusted, by the way. So it doesn't have anything to do with Miller Park or Wrigley Field or anything else. It's all been park adjusted. Team WRC plus of 80. They are 20% worse than an average uh, MLB hitter at driving in runs, whereas the Cubs are 19% better than an average team at driving in those runs. And the Brewers are hitting 209 as a team. 209. I saw that. Yeah, That is not good, Danny. They're 24th in OPS to the Cubs second, and yet they have so many more wins. <laughs> so it's Because their pitching is outstanding, Yeah, right? And we know their pitching is outstanding, but it is worth keeping in mind that perhaps the Cubs could take advantage here and steal a couple more from Milwaukee. They do seem to back, match up really well. Hot-hitting Brewers, uh, despite them not being a good hitting team, Willie Adamas, who you already mentioned, has a WRC plus of 111. That is the highest uh, WRC plus on the team for the Brewers out of qualified hitters. Their next best hitter, though, who is not qualified in terms of plate appearances yet, is our old friend Vic- Victor Caratini, who is currently sporting a WRC plus of 133 with the Milwaukee Brewers. So look for Victor Caratini to get some playing time. Well, I don't know. Year. He's. He, I think they just put him on the COVID list. Oh, <laughs> I guess you didn't see that. I didn't you know, know. Brewers are Brewers catchers have caught 44 percent of runners, and they've also caught COVID. So no, he's uh, he has COVID. He's on the COVID list. Well so then, we so will, Victor Caratini is a hot hitter who is also not apparently there. not there. Yeah. <laughs> good good so catch. So they Dan. they they got some other backup guy that came up from their AAA. I had never heard of the guy. So right, I'll, I'll get his name for you really quick. If you I'm care. sure he's about to become the latest Cub killer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Kesson exactly. Kesson Hira. Uh, Alex Jackson. All right, Alex Jackson. Uh, Keston Hira has WRC plus of 106. I think, is that the Alex Jackson that was in the minor league system for the Braves? Uh, I will look him up for you. Um, Uh, The only reason I ask is because I did some work on that guy at Fangraphs last year when there was a trade that happened, but I don't know if it's the same one. Kind of looks like he's wearing a Marlins hat. Oh, yeah, Yeah, he was with the Braves, and then he went to the Marlins. Got traded to the Marlins in the Duvall trade. This is actually a former, uh, a pretty high-round draft pick who could be kind of interesting. Um, I remember, I, I just happened to cover this kid on trade deadline day last year. So keep an eye on Alex Jackson. He could be, he could be better than we think he is, but um, well, hopefully not this weekend. Definitely worth keeping an eye on the Cubs. Meanwhile, here are all the hot hitters on the Cubs. And I just want to revel in this for a moment. Cause it's great and wonderful to have this long of a list of names to highlight for you. Uh, Rivas has a WRC plus of 273. He would not be qualified if I left that feature on, but I didn't because I wanted to highlight how awesome Alfonso Rivas has been. Please, for the love of God, let him at least play two of these games. Uh, Seiya has a WRC plus of 189. He's cooled off considerably from the 220 whatever that he put up before, but he's still well above that league average. Ian Happ channeling MVP Ian Happ, WRC plus of 168. Wilson Contreras 
WRC plus of 130. He is absolutely rocking it right now. And I know that might not seem that way because he struck out with some guy on base at one point in time or whatever. But I've seen two things from Wilson at the plate that I'm very interested in. One is he seems to recognize that the ball is different. And so he's not swinging for the high, long, like home runs like he used to. He's swinging for doubles. If you look, he's like kind of leveled his swing plane out a little bit. And he is absolutely massacring the ball, hitting like these 111 mile line drives and if he does that I think he's going to do some real damage he's also taken his walks like he always does extend him extend him now uh Jason Hayward still getting it done WRC plus of 128 no there's nothing in the peripherals that I can see that indicates that's sustainable but I'll take it as long as it's happening uh Patrick (laughs) Wisdom has WRC plus of 121 Nico Horner has WRC plus of 118 it is worth noting that every single one of those guys has a higher WRC plus then the best qualified hitter on the Brewers, who is Willie Adamas at WRC plus of 111. And then Jonathan VR is, is slightly above average at 101. Just, just, just a tick above average. Yeah, they've been great. It's, it, it's a shame it hasn't transferred into more wins. I agree. So, I mean, and I think a lot of it really does come down to the, the base running, the defense, and some of the things that you might not notice as much in a box score. Um, so it's on paper. It's why you got to play the games and because you defensive stats. I mean, I did see that, you know, the def, are the Cubs uh, defensive efficiency ratio is well below league average right now. And uh, so they just haven't been getting the outs when they could have. And when you extend innings like that, bad things can happen to you. So, um, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not real hopeful about how this is going to go in Milwaukee, <laughs> just given by what we saw with the bats kind of falling asleep, except for the one big Patrick wisdom blast. Um, uh, you, you barely escaped out of there with the wind. So you got a hometown crowd tonight though, at Wrigleyville North. And uh, hopefully it's uh, hopefully they aren't cheating. Hopefully they aren't <laughs> messing with their human door and turning on the fans behind home plate when their team comes up to bat. Uh, I do want to make fun of Christian Yelich for a moment because he's just absolute dog crap. And he's just for, I mean, for the guy, he's fighting with you, Darvish, a couple years, nobody needs help facing you. Well, apparently you needed help facing him and everybody else in the league because you stink now, Yelich. You have one home run, you're batting like under 200. So I don't know what happened except for that. You either, one of two things, either you were cheating and now you can't anymore. So now you stink. Or that injury that you had really just ruined your career. I mean, he had a, it was back injury. So it is possible that that did sap his power. I will say there are. Anthony Rizzo has a back injury too and leads the American League in home runs. So I think he leads the majors in home runs. Yes. But uh, Anthony Rizzo also has a porch that is 314 feet from (laughs) home plate to right. (laughs) And I mean, Anthony Rizzo is going to hit 40 home runs, right? Because. Why maybe more. Ollie, Anthony Rizzo can choke up and hit a fly ball 325 feet all day long. Yeah. I just don't under, you know, I, I didn't want to get into the Rizzo thing and I'm going to come back to the Elich thing for one second, but I will say there is a, there is a world where Anthony Rizzo hits 40 home runs a couple of times and like gets a new life with the Yankees and it pushes him into Cooperstown. And frankly, if that happens for him, I'm here for it. I will definitely go the day Anthony Rizzo gets his yeah. gets his call it'll be awesome yeah um like, as for yelich let's hope danny didn't just like 
poke the bear there and wake him up because Yelich <laughs> does have some numbers under the hood, including a hard hit rate that is well above average and some other things going on that indicate he might actually be just like one game away from breaking out of it. So if Danny just awakened Christian Yelich, you will hear about it on our social media <laughs> feeds. Uh, Danny, where can people find you? Um, well, on Sunday night, I'll be on the Sun Ranto show at 7 p.m. Uh, we, we've got some, some guys from Sox in the Basement coming on to preview the White Sox series. And hopefully a very funny guy named Eric Wheelow, who's a stand-up comedian and a big Brewers fan, is going to come on crying because we just swept his team at home. I mean, if the Cubs are a below, slightly below 500 baseball team, but they beat the crap out of the Brewers and the Cardinals all year, I, I'd be okay with that. Like, I, I think I would take that trade. Um, if that happens, you will hear about it on my Twitter account at BCB underscore Sarah. As always, we will be sharing everything from this podcast and our episodes at the at Cup of Cubby Blue account. So be sure you are following subscribe on whatever service you are using to listen to this podcast so that you never miss an episode. And if you're so inclined, leave us a good rating because it helps other people find the show. Until next time, when we're back to preview the first iteration of the 2022 Crosstown Classic, go Cubs, head to Wrigley North and help them out up there. Y'all, you know how this works.